Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. This is number two for this season and returning for a second week. How do we convince them to come again? Uh, Kate Borsay joins me and Hayley McQueen and we've got three topics to get through this week. Um, I'll rattle on and uh, introduce them for you. First of all, our favourite shock result of the last 12 months, although I know that Kate already is going to extend that slightly, but you can explain. Um, Also, we're going to have managers that are out of work that we really think shouldn't be, that are very good managers. And your favourite Mario Balotelli story. We could be here all day. The female take on football. Uh, let's start with our favourite shot result of the last 12 months and we'll begin this time, Kate Bosset. Thanks very much, Linz. Now, I am going to extend this a bit because this game was such a shot that we were talking about it for ages afterwards. Do you remember last August, towards the end of last August, when Arsenal were having a terrible time? They played Manchester United and they lost 8-2. That was a shocker. And on the back of it, actually, Wenger made, made quite a few panic buys, some of which have worked, some of which haven't, haven't worked. So it was obviously a pretty, a pretty significant result. Um, it was an absolute shocker. Arsenal hung on until it was about 4-1 uh, in the 64th minute. And then just carnage. Basically, absolute carnage. Two goals for Manchester United in the next six minutes. Then a goal for Arsenal uh, from Robin van Persie, followed by Carl Jenkinson getting a red card um, because of it, because it was a second yellow. Um, and then a further two goals for Manu in the final ten minutes. So it was just one shock after another. And I remember watching at the end of that game, absolutely glued. I just couldn't believe it was one of those matches where it was just a catalogue of uh, of events, goals sending off. It was so much drama in just utter disbelief that Arsenal had got themselves into this position and it did round off uh, and not a great start uh, to them uh, for the season last season. 
Um, it was a fantastic game and it was a true shocker. So that's my nomination. Well, I'm glad that you picked Manchester United where they won because I'm going to even that out now with <laughs> Manchester United losing. And seeing as Hayley's such a big Man U fan, hopefully uh, it will just be odd evens then and you don't Thanks. need to take anything out on me. Um, so we'll, st- we'll go with mine, which was last January, FA Cup. Leeds United, Jermaine Beckford scores the winner. Manchester United dumped out in the third round for the first time by lower league opposition. But also, this is the first time Leeds at Old Trafford, by the way, uh, have managed to, to do this in the third round. I mean, it was... It was one of those stories of the FA Cup, and I love this competition for that reason. I know the FA Cup gets stick year in, year out it's in terms of TV coverage and figures and gate attendances. But please don't do anything to the FA Cup for this very reason. Um, it was under Simon Grayson's um, tenureship, and it was one of the biggest upsets since Manchester United were dumped out by Bournemouth in 1984. At Old Trafford as well. I'm repeating that, Hayley, because for me, it's the fortress. I am in Hayley's face. I've got a a fondness for Manchester United. I don't mind confessing it. But for me, that was one of the stories and it was what the FA Cup was all about. And it was was a shock result. And um, I'm going to hand over to Hayley now to probably get her own back and hopefully he's not chosen Wolves. Most recently, I think the Champions League has thrown up some real shock results. There was a shock night, I remember, working on it for the Sky Sports uh, live team. Uh, And there was lots and lots of games where I don't think anybody would have predicted that Manchester City uh, would lose to Ajax, three goals to one. Uh, Arsenal lost to Schalke. You had a Borussia Dortmund beating Real Madrid. And as well, Malaga beating AC Malaga. Malaga who? Um, yeah, couldn't believe it. And of course, it was a Manchester City who went ahead. So a bit of a comeback then for uh, Ajax. I just remember on that night thinking if anybody had any money on that, they'll be sitting at home uh, rubbing their fingers, uh, rubbing their hands together thinking, well, this is it. I probably don't need to work for the rest of my life. The odds on that were probably whopping. And uh, just a couple of weeks after that, Celtic Barcelona. Amazing. What a night. I was absolutely hooked pretty much from the outset, from the build-up. I mean, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. Who'd have predicted that youngster coming on? What What a goal. There you what go. Oh, oh, boom. Yeah, so I have been really surprised by some of the shock results in the Champions League. And I think it's a really, really exciting season. Yes, Real Madrid have been doing brilliantly, barring that particular result. Manchester City crashing and burning. United haven't really been at their best despite going through. And um, Barcelona so who'd have predicted that Barcelona would come to the UK and go up to Scotland and lose with Messi scoring as well the offside rule we get it next topic which is managers who are out of work currently who we think are too good to be out of work Um, Harry Redknapp I'm going to go for Um, obviously Daniel Levy deciding that he'd dispense of Harry's services I think there might be more to that story perhaps England manager rumours didn't help. But anyway, I think the the whole top and bottom of it was that he wanted fresh blood. But at the expense of Harry Redknapp, who'd bought Spurs some of the most successful um, story, you know, successful campaigns of recent years, up to fourth. I mean, who'd have thought it? And then, then he has the audacity, Levy, to say, you know, that Redknapp's relieved because they didn't get Champions League, but they did finish in the top four. It was just because of Chelsea winning the Champions League that they ended up, you know, not, not being in it. So I felt, I felt for Harry Redknapp. I think he's a great manager. Um, whether he can read or write as he as he claims in the courts, I don't oh. know. But um, 
I, I think it's brilliant that he's out of work for clubs like QPR, who are on the lookout. Blackburn are being tendered around, aren't they? So, and he's got a wife who's apparently better than Darren Bent at scoring goals, <laughs> <laughs> according to Harry. So I, I think he's he would be my top man. I mean, it's an obvious choice, but to be out of work as Harry Redknapp bringing Spurs from the brink of uh, relegation all the way up to fourth in the end over a couple of seasons and also to produce some of the players that he's produced and uh, buys that he made, Van der Vaart being one of them and uh, he managed to hold on to Modric. I'm full of admiration. Well, I've been really thinking about whether this is a good idea or not, but I'm going to stick to my guns because my instinct tells me that Paul Ince should be working as a manager more than he is and I've chosen him because... um, I think he could be really interesting. I think he could be a really interesting manager. He's young. He's, what, mid kind of 40s now. Um, And I think he wasn't given enough of a chance. And I also think he's a casualty of a Premier League club hiring um, a big-name football star and expecting them to be a manager for them with little experience. Now, he had had a couple of years' experience. He started out um, his sort of management career, player coach at Swindon Town, then went on to Macclesfield Town, uh, went on to Milton Keynes Dons. He won the Football League trophy uh, with them. He, he then went to Blackburn Rovers, so he enjoyed that success at MK Dons, was riding on the crest of a wave, and then suddenly Blackburn come in for him. So that's him managing in the Premier League. And as soon as he arrived at that job, I, I almost wrote him off immediately because, and this is nothing against him, it's just that he's not had that experience. And I think that he's suffered as a result of taking that Blackburn job and, and, and as a result of you know Blackburn thinking that that was going to cure their ills, basically. I think he's a good prospect. So, Hayley? Yeah, mine's more of a bit of a point to make. It got me thinking, <sighs> funnily enough. There are a lot of managers out there. We watched when they were players of our generation, as kids born in what the, the 80s, late 70s. 70s. <laughs> the, the 80s. 80s just, for me. 80s. Just. Yeah, right. Me just. Yeah. And um, we had these amazing players like your Brian Robsons, your Mark Hughes's. They've gone on to manage. I've done the best they could possibly do. Brian Robson, I will defend him to the hilt. Yeah, he didn't have a great time at West Brom. Yeah. Brucey, Hoddle. So many of them. But for whatever reason, what happened to them on the pitch and their talents as a player just hasn't quite carried through to their managerial roles and it is very hard I can imagine putting up that wall when you are a player who's so charismatic and talented and having to break down or put up sorry that barrier between yourself and the players that must become very very difficult and then you have your managers like your Brian Robsons who did wonderful things at Middlesbrough but obviously left not on great circumstances bringing in Terry Venables kind of got laughed at a little bit but he did get them two three cup finals we must remember that losing uh, often uh, but try not to remember that and I just think it's really sad that you have these amazing men who were wonderful footballers who were idolised and our heroes when we were growing up that to a generation now who didn't see them play football just see them as kind of almost failed managers and they I mean I would hate to be a football manager all managers do need time but yeah going back to the original point I would quite like to see Brian Robson back point to say as well about managers who were once excellent players is that they already have an advantage you know you've already got the the attention of the squad you know if you've if you've demanded that respect on the pitch that's an advantage already so there is a lot to be said about ex-players becoming good managers it's perhaps the timing it's perhaps being a bit impatient on behalf of some of the authorities wanting to progress them too quickly and is there going to be a shortage of managers now do you think because as our players earn more and more that there's going to be fewer and fewer players wanting to go into management i mean 
Jamie Carragher is someone who I know wants to go into management. He's keen to actually do it. He, he doesn't need to do it. But as footballers, you know, earn these huge and vast amounts of money, are, are, are we going to see it less and less? Because they're going to look at the Paul Inces and the Gareth Southgates and they're going to think, well, why would I bother? I think to add to that as well, the role of being a pundit is actually, OK, it's not the most glamorous, but I think they maybe look at that and see the fun and the fact you are still involved in football. OK, you're, you're not in the dressing room, you're not on the training pitch every day. If you want to leave that and your career's come to an end, maybe it'd be quite hard to still surround yourself with all that, yet be on the other side where you're having to be that disciplinarian and, and sort of, you know, the headmaster type role with your pupils when for all your life you've been one of the pupils. So I think punditry was, I mean, you look, you just look at Gary Neville and you think, wow, he would make an excellent manager. But actually, thank goodness he hasn't gone into that. Thank goodness he, yes, he's got this great role with the England set up, but Sky've got him and he's just been a revelation. And thank goodness there are people like Gary Neville who have chosen that route instead of management because sometimes it just suits them better. The female take on football. And a great analogy there with your headmaster and pupil, Haley, to lead on to topic number three, because the headmaster of Mancini with the unruly pupil that is Mario Balotelli. And I've asked you both to come up with your favourite Balotelli stories. I know that we're going to be here for a while. Let's plough on through. Let's start with Kate. I wanted to talk about Balotelli's um, attraction to bathrooms and toilets, because a lot of my favourite stories involve toilets with Balotelli. This sounds so dodgy, it isn't, I promise. <laughs> I love the story at the beginning of the year, I think it was. Uh, he stopped off at a school in Manchester to use the bathroom, just uh, of all the places to stop, and goodness knows what he was driving, rocks up to the school car park and says, oh, hello, can I use your toilet, please? Uh, goes to the loo, goes and chats in the headmaster's office, apparently, goes to meet the staff in the staff room, meets a couple of kids, absolutely fine, totally normal behaviour, right? My other favourite story also involving a toilet, was him getting mobbed by fans when he came back for pre-season training this season. And apparently he'd had enough of people mobbing him. He'd walked off a plane. He didn't look obvious at all in his bright orange baseball cap, his massive shades, his big trousers and these huge trainers. He didn't look obvious at all. He didn't look anything like a Premier League football star. Oh, no. Anyway, hence why all the people went out and approached him. He had to end up hiding in a toilet at Manchester City Airport to try and escape the masses. The other brilliant bathroom story, of course, I'm just going to say fireworks. The fireworks. <laughs> he is just one big explosion of craziness, that boy, with the fireworks. There were so many Spalatelli stories. I thought, I'm just going to have a little search on the search engines and see what we can find. I was there for about two hours on YouTube, just watching clips, laughing to myself, and then emailing my friends these clips, some of which I'd never seen before. <laughs> A lot of these stories uh, with Balotelli involve money. And Premier League players earn a lot of money. Their careers don't last long, so fair enough, whatever. If we're going to pay them that, that's fine. Go ahead. Because that, that has provided us with some <laughs> wonderful stories. He has £10,000, allegedly, uh, to pay in parking fines. His car has been impounded 27 times. What? Yep. And we have to say that a lot of these myths or truth, we don't know. I'm going to limit you to a couple more. I do know one of the cars that he had. Uh, it was actually one of the sponsors of uh, Manchester United. £120,000. <laughs> he had it imported and he wrote it off 
within a week. Now, that's actually true because I double, triple checked that one. But I get upset with a £60 parking fine and make sure I darn well pay it within the 14 days so it's the £30 and not £60. Well, you know what? I'm absolutely fascinated by the fact that I thought, you know what, I'll look outside the box. We all know about the fireworks story. I knew someone would bring that one up. But I thought there's got to be some cross-contamination here in our research. No, no, no. All of mine, no one said any. No one said any. So um, Balotelli's 150000 thousand-pound curry. So 48 hours before a Premier League match against Chelsea when he first arrives at Man City, gets caught out at 1am in the morning having a curry, obviously fined by the club, £150,000 to have this curry. Um, one of my favourites has to be on par with the Ashley Cole story where Ashley Cole accidentally shot uh, a YTS. Um, Balotelli decided from a first floor to throw darts at youth team players. Whether this is true or not, because he was bored. Um <laughs> Um, and my favourite, he bought a Harley Davidson, but Manchester City have said it's too risky. He can't, he can't ride it. So he's got a Harley, and I'd love to. Would you? You'd love to see Balotelli on a Harley Davidson. Um, no, because he'd crash it. What do you think? He'd crash it, or we'd rack up a fine, or we'd run someone over. What about being allergic to grass, allergic to the pitch? Do you remember that? Not too long ago, he had to go off at half time in a game against Ukraine due to being uh, allergic to the pitch. And that turned out to be true. Do you remember he had all those yeah, lumps yeah. around his eyes? Crazy. Um, also, one more I've got to mention because I can just imagine him doing this. After Manchester City beat Manchester United 6-1, he went to a shopping centre and ran around just high-fiving City fans <laughs> all around possibly the Trafford Centre or one of the City Centre shopping malls in Manchester. Uh, like you said before, Kate, doesn't like to bring attention to himself but was high-fiving like the kid that he is. We love him. Mario Balotelli, podcast number two, is dedicated <laughs> to you. Stay in the Premier League, for goodness sake. Um, I, I've got to say that, thank you, girls. I love that one. I think we'll struggle to top Mario Balotelli as, a, as our topic to research. Um, what stories we'll have and what more will come, but we'll bring him back next season, eh? <laughs> Hopefully there'll be more. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Offside Rule podcast. We'll be back again next week. The three of us talking more topics and hopefully making you laugh or wince. Uh, we'll see how you, this one goes down. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper.